Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. I came to tell you life is a mess. This is my laundry. This looks like some odd way, or doesn't it? All right. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Laundry is a perfect image for this series because here's the main principle I'm going to teach each and every week in a different area of life. So many things in life are not problems to solve, they're attention to manage. Here's what I mean by that. If you treat some things in life like problems that you just got to solve, you're always going to be frustrated because you're never going to quite check them off. It's like laundry. All right. You don't solve that problem. It's attention. You manage. You just do a load. You take a day. You knock it out. And your kid had this closet full of clothes you didn't know about. Drives you absolutely crazy. Laundry is a good example of attention that we all have to manage. And throughout the series, we're talking about managing tensions in, in, in finances and in relationships and in doubts and in our past. And today we're talking about the messy battles of life. But laundry is definitely the theme holding us together. What you also got to know is this. Oh, let, let me give you another example. Ooh, rest. Rest is not a problem you solve. It's a tension you manage because you never get enough rest. Ladies, moms, don't you wish you could go back to when you were a teenager or in college and like bank sleep? You know what I'm saying? Like save it up. And then when you have kids, like I'll take an hour here, two hours now sounds pretty good, but we can't do that. It's a, it's not a problem you solve. It's a tension you manage. Cleaning the house, relationships, these are all tensions that we have to face on a daily basis. But before we dig in, before we get to the meat of today, I wanted to announce something very exciting. Tomorrow is our one-year birthday. We're excited. We're turning one, baby. We're turning one. We're excited about that. Do you know those annoying people who take a birthday and make it a birth month? We're doing the same thing. All right, so get used to it. We're having, we're having fun because those people drive me nuts and I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Our birthday is technically tomorrow, but um, the last few days we did serve day. All right, we helped out all over the community with local organizations. We were loving on the community. Um, coming up next week, we have our brand new volunteer shirt dropping. That's a gift to all of our team. So if you've been waiting to join a team, now's a good time, baby, because you get a new shirt. That's going to be a fun time. We're celebrating baptism on the 23rd. We're very excited about that. We're going to do a beach day and a baptism. If you'd like to sign up for baptism, which is all about being raised to new life in Christ, it's the first step of obedience for a Christ follower. If that's you, let us know on the A card. We'll get you registered very soon. That's going to kind of coincide with a beach party. We're very excited about that. What else? Oh, student ministry is starting up. It's starting up the 19th. We're excited about that. The students are fired up. It's going to be a blast. We have a great location. Student groups launch September 19th, 7 to 8.30. Check out our website for the address and all the details, but the student leaders are fired up. It's going to be a great birthday month here at Ascent. And next week, get, hey, we have cake. Because you can't have a birthday party without cake, okay? We didn't technically, we're not technically one today. That's next week, so we're going to do it right. So come, and you can put a donut on the cake. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be a really, really good time. But let's jump into this messy life. Because the reality is we're all a mess, we're all a mess. Somebody turn to your neighbor, say, you're a mess. Somebody say, you're riding the, somebody say, you're riding the hot mess express. Some of y'all I've seen on Facebook, you put on Instagram, you say, I'm a mess. I'm feeling like a mess. Some of y'all get out of bed and you just say, I, I feel like a mess. This is, this is a series for you. 
This is a series for you. I want to do a fun challenge. It's going to be this messy life challenge. If you engage with us on social media, if you have an instance where your life is just a mess, take a picture. This is like an authentic series. This isn't like a polished series. This is let's be real series. So if you're at Target and your kid has a meltdown, all right, that's, a, that's this, me- hey, tag us, hashtag this messy life. Um, if your kid has a meltdown on the way home, if you dress your kid and they spill something, um, I, I dropped, I, I had a gift for one of our staff today and I was coming into church this morning and I dropped it in the parking lot in a puddle. All right, would have been a great opportunity for me to snap it, but we're going to do this messy life challenge. We may share some of them on social media or even bring them up here. It's going to be a good time. But today, I gave you our, I gave you our topics, but today we're talking about the messy battles of life. Because the battles we face are often not clean. They're often not decisive. They're often, uh, you know, repetitious. They're often a struggle. We're talking about the messy battles of life. And a battle I faced over the last year was actually launching this church. It was, it was a difficult time. And um, like I said, a year ago today, I was sweaty. I was nervous. I was having weird nightmares about it. Okay. It was a crazy time, but it's a real thing. That's a battle I faced. And I think... You've probably never faced that battle, but whatever battle you're facing, I think we can agree on this. The main difficulty in facing our battles is thinking you don't have what it takes to win. Either you don't have the experience or you don't have that, you know, the right stuff. You don't have the character. You feel like something's off. You don't, ha- you don't have what it takes to win. I'm not bragging about this, but it's fun to look back and just see what God has done. You ever do that? Sometimes life is so busy, you don't have the time. This is a photo from our soft opening Last August, I think we have a photo. That's not the volunteers, that's the church. Okay, this isn't like, you know what I'm saying? This isn't like our first impressions team. That's everybody. That's everybody. And in that moment, I want to tell you, I love this team. I believe in this team. But the reality is this, we didn't have that big of a team. Okay, we didn't have any money. Um, I'd never done, I'd never preached every week. I'd never led a church. I was, I was definitely stressed out. So as I'm preaching to you today, that's the lens through which I'm viewing this. But the reality is God brings us great victories. He brings us great victories. And sometimes you have to stop and look at that and then look around the room and say, man, he's good. Man, he's faithful. You step out in faith sometimes, he shows up in a big way. And I believe he wants to do the same for you. When I'm talking about the battles today, I want you to have that battle in your mind. If it's maybe you're fighting for your marriage. Maybe you're battling against an addiction to pornography. Maybe you're battling a fight against bankruptcy. Maybe you're fighting for your kids. I don't know what your battle is, but as I'm talking about the battle, I want you to figure out what your battle is. It could be five or six, but I guarantee you are either fighting a battle, just fought a battle, or are marching toward a new battle. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we are all fighting a battle and God, they are messy. I ask you to meet us here. I ask you to come alongside us, God. I ask you to show us something. May we get to know you closer today. God, may you be glorified today. God, some of the battles we're fighting are going back to school, a new schedule, transitioning through things. Maybe we ourselves want to go back to school. Maybe we're fighting for our marriage or we're fighting for, maybe we're fighting through a divorce. God, I don't know what it is, but we are fighting something. And in the midst of the messy battle, please come alongside us and please be glorified. In your son's good name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to jump into the text. You can follow along if you have a Bible. If you have an app, we use version. It's great. All the notes are on there and on the, all the scripture. We're going to go to the Old Testament. This is 2 Samuel, I believe 13.22. We're going to jump into, yes, 1 Samuel 13.22. Follow along with us. It says, so on the day of the battle, 
not a soldier with Saul, that's the king, and Jonathan, that's the son of, his king, of the king, had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. So here's what's happening. The nation of Israel is marching into battle. They're going up against the Philistines, which is not like a clean cut victory. They fought these people just for generations and generations. So they're in the midst of a messy battle, but they don't have the weapons they think they need to win. And that is how so many of us are right now. One of the messiest parts of life is not feeling prepared. Who here has faced a challenge or a fight or a battle and felt you were either ill-equipped or unprepared to fight it? Maybe the size of your enemy didn't scare you, but it was the fact that you felt like you didn't have what it took. Every parent should have put your hand up right there. Let me, let me remind you of something, parents. Do you remember the first one? Remember when you were leaving the hospital? Do you remember that? How terrifying that is? And you're looking at the nurse and you're like, can you come with us? <laughs> like we have to take this thing home by ourselves? What? what? This is a scary thing. It's a scary thing. And it's, it's a little baby. But the reality is we look within and we say, we don't have what it takes to win this fight. What is the fight you're fighting? Where you feel like you don't have the right weapons. The thing is this, God might send you into a battle that you feel unprepared for. Your battle might look like this. It may be raising kids. You may be facing a deployment or you're a spouse at home. Your husband or or wife is deployed. Maybe it's financial woes, but you need to realize this. And you might not have ever thought of this, but sometimes God does that intentionally. Sometimes he will set you up to fight a battle where you, honest to God, you don't have the things you really probably need to fight that battle. There's a time in Jesus's life and ministry. He's going around, he's healing, he's loving on people, he's doing his thing. And then he gathers 72 of his closest followers together. And he says, look, I'm gonna take a minute. I'm gonna send you 72 out, okay? You're gonna go, you're gonna preach, you're gonna heal, you're gonna love on people. And they had never done this before. They felt unprepared, they felt ill-equipped. They were kind of stressed out. And you think Jesus would be like a doting mother, you know, where he'd make sure they had all the supplies they needed and extra supplies. Jesus sent them out. And they were unprepared, right on. They hadn't had, they hadn't done this before. They didn't have the experience. They didn't know what was going on. Jesus says, go out there. You'll be fine. And look what he says. Look what he says. Luke 10, four. He says, do not take a purse. A purse. Do the disciples have man purses? Did they have mercies? People are trying to push mercies. Now I have a messenger bag or a satchel. It is not a purse. Um, Indiana Jones has one, okay? It's a manly thing, but they're trying to push the Merce. I Googled Merce, don't do that. Because look what I saw when I Googled Merce. Snoop has a Merce. Wait, 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 wait. We have the same water. We do. I don't know what he has on his head. Snoop has a Merce. And then I kept looking, and you know who else has a Merce? Who's, who's next? Is that Hugh Jackman? Is that Wolverine? You know, he's in the thousand pound club. Do you know what that means? His combined bench, squat, deadlift is over a thousand pounds. That's impressive. You know what he says? He says, if the bar ain't bending, you're just pretending. That's what he says. Meaning you need some weight on there. I don't know. That thing's probably filled filled with pre-workout. I'm not feeling immersed, but if you have one, that's okay. Back to the sermon. Jesus said, do not take a immersed or a bag, or sandals, meaning do not take things you think you need. That would be the equivalent of saying, don't take your wallet, your keys, or your cell phone. Don't take your ID, don't take anything that you know you need, and do not greet anyone on the road, meaning don't stop for small talk. 
Don't even say hi to anyone. I've gave you a mission. Be focused. Why are you wasting time? Get to it. Why would he do that intentionally? I think he does that to show us something. Sometimes we feel like he's abandoning us, but I think he's training us. Sometimes I think he's turned his back on us, but I think he's preparing us for something. Because the reality is this. Sometimes in life, you might be depending on something rather than someone. And I think sometimes what God does is he strips away something we think we need to show we really don't need that. Right on. And I think each of us have something. It could be your comfort. It could be your friend circle. It could be that, that, that great job you have. We have something that we're relying on instead of God. And I think sometimes what he does is he sends us out without without the things you think you need. And I want to ask you, has God sent you out without? Ask yourself right now, am I in a season where God sent me out without? Here's what I mean. Maybe you're, maybe you're a single lady. All the single ladies, put your hands up. Okay, maybe you're a single lady and you're mad at God. You're saying, God, I want a man. I'm, a good, I'm going to church. I'm looking good. I got a good job. Why don't I have a man? Why don't I have a man? Well, God may be trying to show you, honey, that You don't need a man. There's nothing wrong with a man, just like there's nothing wrong with a purse or bag or sandals. But the reality is this. God sometimes puts you through a season where you say, look, I don't need to depend on a man for my self-worth. I don't need a man for my identity. I don't need a man to show that I'm valuable, I'm pretty. I'm an independent woman, and I don't need a man. And I'll get a man when I need one, but I don't need one right now. Come on. I'm going to leave it like that. All right, the men are like, what, what are you saying? Okay, um, guys, let's say, let's say the guys, let's say you want that raise, that promotion. You've been grinding, working overtime, trying to impress the boss, trying to move up, and you don't get it. Well, God could have you in a season where he sends you out without. Saying, look, maybe you need to be humbled a little bit. Maybe if I gave you that right now, you couldn't handle it. Maybe, just so maybe, if I gave you that promotion you've been begging for, dying for, you would find your worth in your income and that car you drive and the house you live in. God might send you out without. And so many of us, I see we're mad at God, we're frustrated at God because he didn't give us that thing we think we needed. Look what Jesus does. Look what he says. At the end of his ministry, at the end of his life, he's about to die. The last time he's with all the disciples, he's about to go out and legit be arrested and die. Look what he says. This is a kind of an afterthought. Then Jesus asked them, Luke twenty-two thirty-five. He says, hey, BT dubs, when I sent you out without merce, bag or sandals, hey, did you lack anything? When you went through that season of being single, did you lack anything? When you went through that season of deployment, did you lack anything? You were mad about it. You were frustrated. You didn't think you could get through it. But did you, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now, if you have a purse, take it. And also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Meaning, look, sometimes I'm gonna, God says, I'm going to send you out underprepared. Just to make sure you're, you're not relying on something, but rather someone. But there comes a time that season's over. You can take what you need and God will reveal that. But God might send you out without. He might send you out without. You may be thinking he's abandoned you, but he's teaching you. He's growing you. C.S. Lewis says like this. He says that we're like little children learning to walk. C.S. Lewis says this. God wants us to learn to walk 
so he must take away his hand. There comes a time for every parent. You're holding up the baby. You're helping him strengthen his legs. But there's a time you have to set that baby down and you got to walk away and say, come to daddy. Come to mommy. You have to do it. Or that child will never learn to walk. God might do the same with us. And I believe he is pleased even with our stumble. Some of you haven't stepped out in faith because you're afraid you might fall. I came to tell you, you are going to fall. You are going to trip, but God's going to pick you right back up. It's all good. The fear of failure has derailed more dreams than anything else. That mission trip you wanted to go on. I don't know if I can raise the money. I'm not going to go. I mean, God might be calling me to lead. Oh, I don't know. I might fail. I'm not even going to try. God wants you to step out. You know how much pride and how fired up a parent is when that child takes a few steps. And when the kid falls, you don't say, loser, get up. (laughs) No, you still are taking photos and videos. You're so proud. You're so happy. You tell everyone, I believe God is that doting over us when we step out in faith, when we start giving, when we start serving, when we start sacrificing, when we start quiet time, I believe the same feeling is there. Let's get back to the story of the battle. That was an aside a little bit. So the battle's starting. And God's people don't feel like they don't have the right weapons. They feel like they're up against the enemy and they don't quite have what it takes. Verse 23, now a detachment of Philistines, that's the bad guys, had gone out to the pass at Michmash. You see, the enemy will attack you at strategic points. The enemy's well-trained in warfare and he won't just come at you. He'll say, he'll wait till the divorce hearings are picking up and then he'll attack you. He'll wait till it's back to school time and everyone's stressed and running around and tired, then he'll attack you. He'll wait till right before that deployment comes and he'll attack you. He'll wait till y'all have that baby and you're tired because you ain't sleeping because of that baby and he'll attack you. That's what he'll do. He's strategic. His plan is to derail you and prevent you from going where God has called you to go. He will be strategic. Verse one, one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, the king said to his young armor bearer, he said, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Some of y'all want to step out in faith, but you may be afraid to tell someone. You may be afraid to announce on Facebook, oh, I'm going to church now. Or I checked out this place. Or, oh, I think I'm going to get baptized. Or, oh, I think I'm going to start serving. Some of you may be a little afraid at that, so you don't say anything about it. I came to tell you, it doesn't matter what anyone says. If God's calling you to do something, step out. Be obedient. Don't matter what anyone says about it. Verse four, on each Side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Seneh. Somebody say Seneh. So in order to even face the enemy, in order to fight the battle God's calling them to fight, there were two cliffs. And Jonathan has to choose. He's, am I going up this one? This one's called Bozes. You know what that means? It means the slippery one or the shining one or the gleaming one. This one's slippery. It's muddy. You know what this means? This means for every five steps you take, you might slide back four. This this one means if you step out and do what God's calling you to do, you might fail a lot. And you might regard that as a sign that I'm not supposed to be doing this, but nothing could be further from the truth. On the way to fight the battles God has planned for you, the reality is this, it can be a slippery place. You might not quite know where to step. You might fall a few times. I would say it's part of the process. It's part of the process. Seneh, oh, let me tell you this before we move on. Talking about slippery things. I was at the playground with my son the other day and it's for five through 12 year olds. Um, and we were playing hide and seek and my son's chasing me around, right? And he's almost three. And I was wearing flip-flops like a dummy. 
And you know that curly Q thing? It looks like an Arby's curly fry. You know that you can kind of, so he's chasing me and I start climbing up real fast and my foot just slipped, just went out and I held on tight. And so I fell kind of awkward and I landed right on my ribs, right on my ribs. And it turns out I have a bruised rib. Every breath is painful. Sleeping on that side hurts, but I just told all y'all, but I was afraid to tell anybody because I heard it on playground equipment (laughs) for kids. My three-year-old's fine. I'm here limping, walking around. (gasps) It hurts, it hurts bad, but the reality is, look, you will fail. You might fail in embarrassing ways. When you're going on Bozes, you might slip. You might fall, you might fail, but I'm going to challenge you to get up and keep on moving. The other side was called Seneh. Seneh means thorny one. So this side's slippery. This side is thorny. I've heard that called, that this represents the pain of progress. Meaning you didn't know it would be this difficult to have kids. You didn't know it would be di- this difficult to have that promotion. You didn't know it would be this difficult to, to start the business. You didn't, you didn't quite envision all that. But that's the reality. It's a pain of progress. It's a pain of progress. Verse six, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, he said, come, Let's go over to the outpost of these men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do you see what he does? He sees a need. He sees an opportunity. He sees potential. And then he says, perhaps. Some of y'all want a guarantee. I'll step out, God, if you give me a guarantee. If you make it clear. If you sign on the dotted line. If you give me a sign. No, no, there's no, there's no, none of that here. They saw a need. They saw the opportunity. Hey, look, there's a homeless community. Let's start a ministry and serve them. Hey, there's a middle school. Why don't we put a church there? It's all these things started from perhaps. There's no guarantee it's going to work. That is the essence of faith. Seven, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. He said, go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, Wait there until we come to you. We will stay where we are and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, if they give one little indication, any sign whatsoever, if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Have you ever heard someone you're waiting for a sign? Maybe you from God, you're waiting for a sign. How do I know I should marry that person? How should I know this is the right church? How should I know that's the right job? How should I know that's the right major? Look, here's what we want. It's not what the Bible gives us. Here's what we want. We want to be sitting down playing Fortnite for six hours or watching Bachelor Season 19 or whatever y'all are on. I don't know. Bachelor in Paradise, whatever you're watching. That's cool. Is that it? Yes, thank you. I'm very educated in such matters. But we just want to be sitting on our butts and get a sign. All right, we're safe, we're comfortable. We get a sign and we say, all right, God, I will follow you. I will go where you tell me to go. I'm gonna do that. But no, 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 look what they had to do. They had to be exposed first. They had to step out first. They had to be a little uncomfortable first. And then and only then God gave them an indication. Some of y'all aren't getting a sign because you gotta step out. You gotta rely on God a little more. You gotta kind of let him actually guide your life. They were exposed first. And this is the attitude that changes the world. Because you have to realize you don't need permission to be a more focused mom. You don't need permission to be a better dad at home that puts his phone down and actually looks at his kids and plays with them. You don't need permission. You don't need permission to serve the homeless. You don't need permission to change the world. You see a need, you meet a need. This changes the world. Seeing a need and trusting in the sovereign arms of God. That's what they did. Because you know, even if you fail, even if you fall, you fall in his everlasting arms. 
And that is a comforting thought. Verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they've been hiding in. You need to know people will talk smack. They will run their mouth. Look who's crawling out of their holes. They will run it. 12, the men in the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. You see, some people see struggle as a sign that God is not with them. And nothing could be further from the truth. Nobody said it's going to be easy. I'm gonna, I'm here, I came to tell you today, it's going to be hard. There's going to be betrayals. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be heartbreak. There's going to be pressure you've never felt before. There's going to be headaches. And so many times you want to quit. And that is a sign you're headed the right direction. Some of y'all at the first indication of struggle, you say, well, maybe God's not calling me to this. Because the idea is almost, well, if God was in this, wouldn't it be easy? Wouldn't it be simple? Wouldn't it just kind of come to me, but nothing is further than the truth? You see, God might open doors for you. I believe he is. I believe he is. But you want God to roll out the red carpet and say, this is the way to fight the battles I want you to fight. This is the way to fight the messy battles. This is the way to follow me. This is the way to really follow me. This is the way of discipleship. But God won't give you a red carpet to walk down, to strut down. No, he's going to give you a thorny cliff or a slippery climb. Some of y'all right now, God has opened the door, but you're looking, you're looking down. That's not a red carpet. That's not a red carpet. That, uh, uh, that's not a red carpet. But no, 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 you need to look up. You need to look up for the challenge. Find that thorny place. Find that slippery place. More often than not, that is where God's calling you to go. To stretch you, to grow you, to expand you. Not red carpet. Think thorny cliff. One of my sons is almost three. And like all kids, he's manipulative. And he's learned when we get to the stairs, he'll take a few steps and it kind of a light bulb goes off and he'll lay down and he'll look, look so pathetic. And he'll say, daddy, can you carry me? And I'm a sucker, so I do it. I say, I'll carry you. And I scoop him up and carry him up the stairs. But some of us with God, that's what you do. You say, God, can you carry me? And in many ways, God does carry us, but with the hard things of life, I don't think he's going to cow you. I don't think he's going to do it. And not only that, he's not going to give you a red carpet. He's going to give you a challenge, a slippery place, a thorny place, and said, look, I've poured my spirit into you. I, you are made in my image. Get up, the, get up the cliff. Start climbing. Embrace the failure. You see, discipleship requires sacrifice. And you need to know this, that the devil won't oppose you if you're going the same direction as him. Because some of you, if you're going the same direction as the devil, you're like, this is easy. This is cake. But the second you hit and you about face and you turn around and you want to start living for God, you're just fighting for progress. Tooth and nail upstream, up the current. And it's hard and it's painful and it's difficult. And you're saying, is God with me? No, he's with you the whole time. That's following him. That's following Christ. Let's close here. 13, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet, meaning it might take everything you've got. He may be muddy and filthy when it's done, with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area 
of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. This is the first time God is really mentioned in the whole story. God doesn't say, hey man, there's a problem, go do it. Jonathan saw a need, he saw a battle, it was messy, and he said, maybe God wants us to do this. Let's go see. But at the end, God shows up in a big way. His presence is there. He acts and he changes the nation's history. Thousands and thousands of people's lives are changed because of this one act of faith. I heard a preacher said something to me. Something was, there was a sermon that I heard. And for maybe the first time in my life, I said, that was for me. Like, that's exactly what I needed to hear in this season of life. And we were getting ready to plant. We were getting ready to launch the church. And I was scared. And every, every week or so, I'd look up other jobs that didn't have to be set up in a middle school right on. And that did actually have a salary. And that did have air conditioning. And I'd just be like, maybe God's calling me to do something else. Like, am I sure about this? But I heard a sermon, which changed everything. Now, these words are not my own. They were spoken to me. And they got so burned in my brain, so burned in to my spirit during that season, they've, they've remained with me. Because the reality is this. When things are against you, when you ever feel like against the battle, that you don't have what it takes, that you don't have what, it, what, what you need to succeed, that you're not enough, that you're never going to be enough, I came to announce you can win with what you've got. You can win with what you got. I feel possessed to preach this today because if you stay stuck in your insufficiency, you will always bow your knee to your struggle. But once you realize that you have everything you need for life and godliness through his divine power, you can look in the devil's face and tell him whatever I don't have, God left out on purpose. I can win with what I've got. You can win with what you've got. Turn to your neighbor, tell them you can win with what you've got. When a challenge arises this week, that's, that's 2 Peter 1.3. Yeah, 2 Peter 1.3. You have everything you need for life and godliness. Not from within, not from here. No, it's from God. Through his divine power, through his presence, you have everything you need. When you're raising those kids, when they're driving you crazy, remember, I can win with what I've got. When you want to quit your job, I want you to stop and say, I almost forgot. I can win with what I've got. I can win with what I've got. I can win with what I've got. Now, this story is a story of someone climbing a hill, a slippery place, a thorny place to fight a battle that impacted thousands. And scripture is clear that all scripture points towards one person, one event, and that's Jesus Christ. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus Christ came to the world. We believe he was the incarnate son of God, that he lived the perfect life, that he died the perfect death, meaning he lived a sinless life that we could never live. And he died a perfect death that we could never die. He actually took the punishment of sin and death on his behalf to give us access to the Father. That's what he did. That's what he did. And if you look at this story, it's almost telling us something. Because Jesus Christ, when he came, when he was crucified, he climbed up a hill. He climbed up a slippery hill because it was dripping with sweat. It was dripping with his blood. And it was also a thorny place. His head was covered in thorns. And he didn't fight a battle against the Philistines. He fought a battle against death itself. And because Jesus granted us that victory, because Jesus won that fight, he gives us all the victory. If we turn to him, if we ask him into our heart as our Lord and Savior, if we follow him, he gives us victory over sin and death itself. Because you have to realize something. The battles we fight, you may win all of them. You may lose all of them. But at the end of the day, death is the ultimate enemy. 
That's a battle none of us are going to be. We're all, it's all going to get us. It's all going to take us down. But because of what Jesus Christ did on that hill, because of what he did, we have life. We have life eternal. We have access to the Father. Jesus granted the ultimate victory to us, something we could never achieve. He gave it to us. He gave us that victory. When you were in the midst of the messy, messy life that you live, when you're in the midst of the messy, messy battle you all fight, if you feel like you're about to lose, if you feel like you're about to give up, I want you to stop for a second and realize, wait a second, why am I worried about this? Why is this stressing me out? Jesus Christ won the ultimate victory. He won the ultimate victory. I don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. It doesn't matter anymore because of what Jesus Christ did, because of his work on the cross, because he won that fight. At the end of the day, none of the battles really matter. He gave us the victory. Will you believe that today? Will you turn to him today? Let us pray. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.